So we talk a lot about leaky gut in this podcast. It often comes up a lot as it is one of the main cause, um, driving causes behind sort of developing allergies and sensitivities in the first place. Um, but behind leaky gut is a condition called SIBO, which is often a driving force to developing this in the first place. Um, so that's what we'll be having a chat about today with our naturopath um, and PAT practitioner, Stephen Judge. Um, so do you mind, Stephen, just starting off like what is SIBO? Yeah, no worries, Jess. So SIBO is an acronym that stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth. So SIBO is basically defined in the literature as an abnormal number of bacteria present in the small intestine. So this is a distinct difference between when people talk about having imbalances of good and bad bacteria, which has more to do with the large intestine. So SIBO is an abnormal number of bacteria in the small intestine. And these bacteria in the small intestine, they're normal bacteria. You know, they're not bad bacteria um, that you might usually find in the large intestine. These are normal bacteria um, that are termed in the literature as pathobionts, not so much pathogens, mm -hmm. right? So pathogens are bad bacteria. Yeah. Pathobionts are particular species of bacteria that are not necessarily bad. They can cause issues when they're in large numbers. Mm -hmm. But so these bacteria in the small bowel, so some examples are E. coli, uh, Klebsiella, Streptococcus, they only really become pathogenic when they increase in numbers, mm -hmm. which is the case in SIBO. Okay. And so with SIBO, with this abnormal number of bacteria present in the small intestine, they shouldn't be there, basically. Mm. Um, these bacteria sit in the small intestine and they ferment carbohydrates and starches and fibres mm. into gases that damage the small intestine and damage the wall of the small intestine and cause a lot of chronic gut symptoms. So, yeah, if you just imagine there's a tiny amount of bacteria in the small intestine and for a variety of reasons we'll discuss these numbers grow very huge mm -hmm. and start to cause. So the overgrowth causes these yeah. chronic gut symptoms. So, yeah, you do have a small microbiome in the small intestine. Mm -hmm. So in the small intestine is where the gut kind of interfaces with the immune system yeah. and it's where leaky gut occurs. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so as another comparison, in the colon we have billions of bacteria. Mm. You know, SIBO should have nowhere near that amount. Yeah. And technically, SIBO is considered anything greater than 10,000 colony-forming units per mil. Okay. You'll see that in all the research. Yeah. And so research shows that SIBO is estimated to be responsible for between 60 to 80% of all diagnosed IBS. Wow. That's yes. massive. Yeah. yeah. And it's not so mainstream in the conventional or gastroenterology world. Yeah. Um, Global prevalence is possibly around 500 million people worldwide, wow. which translates to about 3 million mm. in Australia. Most people won't be told that this is a part of their condition. Mm. Like it rarely gets picked up. I mean, this is classically um, what happens in my own naturopathic practice. People come to me when they've ruled everything out and yeah. they can't get answers as to why their gut is so messed up and mm. they've got so many food intolerances and allergies. Yeah, and they so just haven't been able to get answers from like a medical... Yeah, and it takes a really long time for a condition to be really accepted and infiltrated yeah. into yeah. the primary care physician level. Mm -hmm. It's the explosion of research for SIBO has come in the past five to ten years and has ramped up a lot more in just yeah. the past few years. So it's still sort of early days. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if you just think of SIBO like bacterial fermentation, 
there's mm-hmm. all this bacteria that have overgrown in the small bowel and they ferment starches into gas. So the gases they produce are either methane or hydrogen. And again, this would be normal if it occurred in the large intestine where yeah. it's meant to happen. It's just happening in the wrong area, basically, yes. and that's what causes the issues. Exactly. Yeah. So what are the symptoms um, of SIBO? Yeah, so there's kind of a cluster of symptoms people typically experience. You don't have to have all of them, although some people do. Mm-hmm. But the hallmark symptom is chronic daily bloating. Mm. So And gas, especially after meals, and for some people, just after drinking water. Wow, um, this is how sensitive people are to mm. bloating. So some people I've met with SIBO um, don't have any other symptoms. They've just that they have had this chronic ha- uh, hallmark bloating mm-hmm. after most meals. They can't figure out the trigger food. They react to everything. A lot of these people end up just avoiding trying to avoid eating. Yeah, because it's too stressful. Uh, but obviously that's not a solution. Yeah, so the, and it make it really hard to, especially if you're sort of suspecting that you might be reacting to foods, yeah. if you're getting bloated after literally everything you eat, even water, it'll yeah. just make it almost impossible to try and identify. Exactly. Mm. And funnily enough, they seem to feel worse after trying to eat well, yeah. a lot of fruit and veg, mm. which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but so the other symptoms are either a chronic constipation or a chronic diarrhea. It tends, mm. some people alternate, but it tends to be quite chronic one way or the other. Okay, depending on the person, yeah. Yes, and mm. depending on the gases they're producing, which ah, I'll mention okay. more when we get yeah. to testing. Uh, but also, so think, you know, chronic gut symptoms, abdominal pain, a lot of belching, yeah. flatulence. Um, some people feel nauseous quite regularly. Um, experience reflux and then basically other signs are the classic leaky gut symptoms yeah. so food allergies food intolerances and kind of random rashes mm-hmm. and so SIBO is basically a causative factor of leaky gut yeah. like you were saying at mm-hmm. the start another sign is uh, steatorrhea it's fatty stools people mm-hmm. aren't people if you've got an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine um, the bacteria sort of they deconjugate bile acids from mm-hmm. the bile so we're not mixing our fats in water essentially yeah. and so all the fat is coming out undigested mm. and yeah so it's estimated around 40 percent of people with SIBO have the diarrhea predominant yeah. uh, type at 23 percent have mixed alternating bowels mm-hmm. and around 35 percent have the constipation yeah dominant SIBO and it's mm-hmm. a different type of constipation mm. to just classic garden variety constipation yeah. with IBS, the SIBO mm. type of constipation, it's quite specific underlying drivers that they might classify it as a whole separate condition soon. Mm. Yeah. And so some of the symptoms can differ, like I was saying for based mm. on the gases okay. that are being produced by these bacteria. So depending on the type of bacteria, people will produce either a lot of methane gas. Mm-hmm. And so methane produced by these bacteria, methane gas slows the bowels down, mm-hmm. right? So methane gas predominant SIBO, people will get a lot of constipation and nausea and belching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, there's a backward flow of yeah. stuff because everything's slowed yeah. down. It's an it, it's issue of motility. Yeah. So there's this backward flowing system because of the high methane gas produced yeah. by Thanabrevibacter mm-hmm. uh, in the small intestine. Um, so, with people who produce a lot of hydrogen gas, they're classically more prone to diarrhea mm-hmm. because it speeds the gut motility. Yep. Uh, abdominal cramping, 
Fibromyalgia is heavily associated with mm-hmm. hydrogen dominant um, SIBO. And yeah, they're the classic mm. symptoms. Yeah, so it's either a case of everything sort of slowing down or, or speeding, speeding up. up, and that's what causes the uncomfortable symptoms. Yeah, yeah. and people can have both. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it more of an argument. Yeah, gosh. Which is why testing is really important. Yeah. Because you want to know what this is yeah. like doing what. Exactly, yeah. And then on top of that, some people have the symptoms of methane, but on the test they've got a lot of hydrogen. Yeah. 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 So you've got to test. Definitely. And what kind of clues would be for someone, to, if they suspect they may have SIBO, what would they keep an eye out for? Yeah, so a big one is people who take probiotics and feel worse. Mm. Um, so it's important to understand. It doesn't mean, you know, if you look on the blogosphere, people say avoid antibiotics, sorry, avoid probiotics for SIBO. Um, it all depends on the strain and the dose. Mm. So there are probiotics which are very useful for SIBO. But I guess a lot of people out there are just buying them from the health food store or the pharmacy or wherever, and they're really high-dose, multi-strain types of mm. probiotics because, mm-hmm. you know, people want yeah. you know, more is better and they want a strong mm. probiotic. Mm-hmm. But I guess it makes sense if you've got an overgrowth in the small bowel, putting billions more, then you can have issues. So people feel worse on probiotics as a sign and Mm -hmm. also prebiotics. People Mm. try to take prebiotic fibres and, you know, SIBO ferment all the carbs and fibres and starches. Prebiotics Mm. really trigger symptoms of these people. And so, you know, a lot of healthy plant-based foods trigger these people. Um, A big clue is if you've developed all these symptoms after a case of gastro, mm-hmm. whether that was food poisoning or traveling yep. overseas. But even if I've, you know, I meet people who've never had a gut, gut issue in their whole life, mm. but ever since a bout of gastro uh, yeah. at home or traveling, yep. they've never been the same. Yeah, it's just thrown them off, yeah. And they've ruled out parasites and they've ruled out, you know, or they've found a parasite and treated it, but they've still got sure. symptoms. Yeah. Uh, another clue is that all their symptoms improve after taking antibiotics mm. for an unrelated problem. Wow. And, but, you know, classically give it a while and it all comes back. Yeah. But when they take the antibiotics, they feel better momentarily. Mm-hmm. Um, fiber worsening your constipation. Mm-hmm. Rather than helping. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, recommended mm-hmm. to everyone. But yeah. fiber tends to make it worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you feel very... Uh, the symptoms are much worse uh, when you eat xylitol or mm-hmm. other kind of alcohol That's an sugars. sweetener, right? Yeah, yeah, like an alcohol sugar. Um, or, and also another clue is anyone with celiac disease that yes. they're still having symptoms despite getting rid of gluten. Wow. So there's some okay. few other clues. Yeah. And then basically um, there's a whole list of chronic inflammatory conditions mm-hmm. which are associated with SIBO. Yeah. So it's actually... Interestingly, quite a large list. So the obvious one is, you know, IBS associated yep. with uh, SIBO. Inflammatory bowel disease is highly associated with SIBO. And people who experience flares with Crohn's and osteoarthritis, mm. it could be due to SIBO. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, celiac disease. As I mentioned before, fibromyalgia yeah. is heavily linked with the hydrogen dominant SIBO. Mm-hmm. Um, interstitial cystitis. Mm-hmm. Um, Restless leg syndrome, mm-hmm. which also has uh, association with uh, iron deficiency. Mm. So with SIBO, there's such a de- huge degree of malabsorption of nutrients. Yep. Iron tends to be very deficient mm. despite supplements, yep. despite, despite being a man and yeah. not bleeding every month and eating meat. Yep. Iron's still low. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, there is a link with restless leg wow. syndrome there. Yeah. 
very well-established connection with rosacea, mm-hmm. uh, atherosclerosis, mm-hmm. uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease, yeah. uh, diabetes mm. is surprisingly common. It's yeah. because of the poor motility, um, there's damage to the nerves which re- impair the motility yeah. of the small intestine. Okay. Uh, hypothyroidism mm-hmm. is a huge one. Mm. Um, I, or, I meet people very regularly who are doing everything they can to treat their uh, hyper or hypothyroidism, mm. especially the autoimmune types, yep. Hashimoto's and Graves. Um, but there's something still off, and usually we get them off all the bucket of buckets of supplements and yep. test them for SIBO, and that's what is going wow. on. So you've yeah. got to treat it. Uh, scleroderma, really strong link. Um, non-alcoholic um, fatty liver disease mm-hmm. is a big link. Mm-hmm. Um, Chronic prostate inflammation, mm-hmm. uh, BPH, uh, diverticulitis, and gallstones. Yeah, that's amazing. It seems, yeah, like it's sort of involving a lot of different body organ systems as well. And I kind of think it ties back to that everything starts in the gut. So if there's something going exactly. on there, it can really have this knock-on effect. Yeah, Exactly, because they're all conditions of yeah. state of chronic inflammation and immune dysregulation, which yeah. happens, like I was saying, the mm-hmm. small intestine, there's mm-hmm. the interface of the immune system there. Yeah. When there's an overgrowth and constant high gas production damaging mm. that gut wall, this is what, yeah, how it's all connected. It's work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so basically, um, you know, like I was just touching on, because of the overgrowth and all the big gas production, it damages the microvilli of the gut walls. Mm. They're like the small finger-like projections of the gut wall, which are very delicate. They're yep. responsible for making enzymes or where we absorb nutrients. Mm-hmm. Because the wall is so damaged from all the gas production, this is what causes leaky gut yeah. and food allergies. Yeah. yeah. And so SIBO also drives histamine intolerance. It's the most common condition related to SIBO. Mm. And again, it's due to those microvilli, mm-hmm. the finger projections yep. which get damaged. That's where the histamine intolerance, histamine, the enzyme to break histamine down is made. Yeah, the dent the Dow enzyme. Yeah. Um, so it's hugely prevalent um, in people who have also have a comorbid infection, like mm. candida or fungal overgrowth mm-hmm. in the small intestine. Um, candida and histamine issues share similar pathways of detoxification. Yeah. Um, the SIBO also damages brush water enzymes. Mm. So, you know, the enzymes there to break down our food. Yeah. Um, the bacteria can damage the enzymes so that the bacteria have more food to mm. themselves and they get to ferment it all. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So it also, I mentioned before, causes issues with bile acids. Yeah. Um, so we can't break down fat. And when um, not absorbing our essential fatty acids or our fat-soluble vitamins yeah. like vitamin A, D, E, K. Very mm. important for mm. nervous system and mental health and yep. range of stuff. Yeah. And also, SIBO can cause uh, damage to something called the migrating motor complex. Okay, what's that? So the migrating motor complex is a huge focus in SIBO research. It's mm-hmm. one of the causes and things you have to address. So the migrating motor complex is, it's basically a cleansing wave. So it's a cleansing wave that sweeps through the small intestine every 90 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And it's between meals. Okay. Um, so this is the migrating motor complex is cleansing wave. It's different to peristalsis that happens in the large intestine. Mm-hmm. So peristalsis is, you know, you eat food and then, we have muscular contractions to help pass through, through yeah. the digestive system. Migrating motor mm-hmm. complex cleansing waves in between meals that are specific to the small intestine. Okay. And so this wave 
can be damaged significantly by SIBO. Yeah. So when someone uh, doesn't experience this cleansing wave every 90 minutes, yes. uh, bacteria start to back up in there mm. where they shouldn't be and we get overgrowths and fermenting yeah. and, you know. All that stuff, yeah. 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 Fascinating, yeah. So what can cause people to develop SIBO in the first place? You sort of touched on how uh, often common after gastro, but are there any mm. other sort of triggers? Totally. So there are four main areas where we focus on okay. what causes people to develop it. Yeah. Um, so the first one is damage to the migrating motor complex. Yeah. And so how might that happen? Mm -hmm. Well, there can be to a variety of things, like a traumatic brain injury can do it. Mm -hmm. um, poor vagus nerve tone can do it. Uh, hyperthyroidism can damage the migrating motor complex. Mm -hmm. uh, chronic infections, mold is a huge cause of mm. damaged migrating motor complex. That mold biotoxin yep. syndrome. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yes. Sorry, I should have mentioned it before, but Sears is chronic inflammatory response syndrome and yep. mold illness mm -hmm. are very linked to SIBO. Okay. Uh, diabetes um, is another cause of migrating mm. motor complex damage. Mm. So. First one is damage to the migrating motor complex can develop SIBO. It stops the bacteria from going moving into where yeah, it should be, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second area is impaired digestive function mm -hmm. in general, so dysfunction of the microbiome and bacteria yeah. uh, can contribute to down the track. Um, chronic stress, uh, which can cause deficiency of secretory IgA, yep. so the immune system of mm -hmm. our gut, deficiency of pancreatic and enzymes and yeah. bioflow and stomach acid, so impaired gut function mm. can cause it. Um, impaired flow through the intestines, so mm -hmm. not so much the cleansing wave, but impaired flow through our intestines due to dysfunction of valves in the gut wall, yeah. um, endometriosis mm -hmm. due to adhesions mm. and also abdominal surgery adhesions in yeah. the abdominal cavity mm. can cause obstruction. Yeah. Um, any abdominal surgery, yep. so cholecystectomy, appendicitis, C-section, yep. all these things wow. can impair flow yep. through the intestines. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge issue with endometriosis and women developing SIBO. Yeah, gut issues. goes hand in hand a lot. Yep. Yeah. And the fourth section is medication. So one of the yep. biggest predisposing risk factors to developing SIBO are PPI, so reflux meds. Wow. So shut down the gut. Um, the hydrochloric acid, yeah. which should stop bacteria from getting past the stomach into the small bowel, yeah. and then we get an overgrowth. Yeah. Uh, so reflux meds, tricyclic antidepressants, opiates and mm -hmm. narcotics that slow the bowel down, mm. antispasmodic drugs, they're kind of the big ones. Yeah. Okay. But I've met people who've been on reflux meds for 10 plus years, wow. and they've become much it. worse, and I instantly yeah. realised I've developed SIBO. Wow. So when it comes yeah. to, like, how do you diagnose something like SIBO, what's the testing involved? So a stool test is not accurate for SIBO. Okay. So it has to be done by a special kind of breath test mm. by our companies that specialise in SIBO testing. Yeah. So it's a kit that gets sent to your home and the breath tests basically assess for back fermentation of bacteria yeah. over around two hours. So it's looking for those gases. Two hours. Yeah. yeah. And so the test is performed for about two or three hours yeah. to get an indication of what's happening in the large bowel, but it basically measures the levels of this methane and a hydrogen mm. gas. Um, so, you know, there's fermentation of a sugar mm -hmm. they're measuring um, in the small intestine into this hydrogen and methane. Yeah. And so they're absorbed into circulation and carried to the lungs. And that's where it gets... So they're measuring exhalation of this hydrogen and methane okay. gas. And so they're captured in a... Uh, tube yeah. every 20 minutes or so yeah. over the two to three hours 
sent back to the lab and then they analyze mm. um, if there are peak jumps in gas production. And if yeah. there are big jumps in gas production, it's a sign there is an overgrowth of bacteria there fermenting it. Yeah. And that is how SIBO is diagnosed. Mm. You, cannot, you cannot figure this out with a stool test. Yeah. A stool test may be useful alongside the breath test just to see what's going on in so the, the large intestine test too. Yeah. I do prefer to just do it all yeah. with people because they get a full get picture. picture. Yeah. But you can't really treat and test SIBO properly with a stool test. Yeah. Um, so for some people, I'll just go straight to the breath test, yeah. roll it out. Yeah. Or if it's there, treat it. Because if people have this, it's basically a huge priority to treat mm. because not only because of the amount of conditions that it's related to, but People with SIBO, I guess the reason they end up here at Health and Wellness, mm. in Health and Wellness Australia is because SIBO drives so much leaky gut. Yeah. They are histamine intolerant. Mm. They've become salicylate and amine intolerant. Yeah. Glutamate intolerant. They can't have gluten, dairy. Yeah. They react to everything. Yeah. Um, so there are very restrictive diets mm. um, that people with SIBO must follow. Yeah. They, remove, they remove anything fermentable. Yeah. But... On top of that, even removing anything fermentable, people have, might have severe histamine and salicylate sensitivity. Yeah. So they can barely eat anything. Yeah, because it's it, in so many foods, yeah. Yes, and another uh, really tricky thing is some people are so salicylate intolerant that with SIBO, you cannot treat it with diet alone. Mm -hmm. You need the restricted diet and then you need a very uh, thorough plan that yeah. involves uh, herbal medicines. Mm -hmm specific proprobiotic strains. It can take between two to six to 12 months, depending on the person, yeah. but being on these protocols, but some people cannot take herbal medicine. Yeah, because they're so high in salicylates. Yes, yeah. but they need to. So mm. I immediately get them to book in for a PAT treatment and to yeah. salicylate treatments, maybe histamine or yeah. sugar and starch and mm. fiber treatment, because once I get a few of these treatments into them, then they can start to begin low doses of yeah. herbs. And yeah reintroduce foods yeah. and not be so stressed about mm. um, a diet that is so limited. Yeah, so it definitely can play a big part in the sort of um, overcoming SIBO instead Does, of preventing, yeah, and preventing these reactions from coming back in the future exactly. as well as is that one of those underlying driving factors. Yeah, yeah. And people might have existing allergies as well because, mm. exactly. you know, SIBO is such a big driver of leaky gut and yeah. allergies. Mm. Yeah. Well, that was really interesting, Stephen. But um, if you do have any um, questions about this podcast or you do want to get in touch if you suspect you may be um, struggling with something like this, um, please go to our website, which is Natural Allergy Treatment com.com.au um, you can also call us on 1300 853 or if you're in New Zealand the number 09479 5997 all right thanks Stephen thanks Jess